Welcome everybody to Weapons of Mass Disruption with Dr. Tamara Schwartz. Once again this week, I will hand off the hosting of this show to two of my students. The military uses robotics in a variety of ways. Drones, both in the air and underwater, and robots that can be used to find IEDs or dismantle bombs. But more robots and more computers and computer systems operating at the tactical edge creates requirements for better access to the spectrum and greater bandwidth, a problem that could be solved by 5G. On this episode of WMD, two of my cybersecurity students, Devin Marks and Colin Harris, here at the York College of Pennsylvania, will explore the intersection of 5G and robotic technology on the battlefield. They'll explore both the applications of the technology and the ethics of what happens in war when the consequences change. Stay with us. Hello, and welcome to the Emerging Technologies Podcast, where we will explore the latest technological advancements in military operations. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the integration of robotics and 5G technology in the military industry. My name is Devin, and I'm a senior business administration major currently taking Emerging Technologies class, where we learn of disruptive technologies that are changing our world. And my name is Colin Harris. I'm a junior cybersecurity management major here at York. This class has been super useful in finding out more about which technologies will be prominent during my future career in tech and security fields. Moving on, both robotics and 5G have their place in the military industry. We will talk about how they affect this industry separately and then at the end explain how they coincide to change the industry. Starting off, we have robotics. Some ways in which they are used are UAVs. These are drones that are remote controlled from a headquarters or like a hub. That way, they can get information about enemy lines without the possibility of being shot down with the human inside and then that person dying. Um, so like UAVs are able to get like information about enemy whereabouts, whether that be soldiers, vehicles, resources that the enemies are using, things like that. Could you go further into about how these are used in combat? Drones can also be used to uh, deliver drone strikes to the enemies. Uh, this is exceptionally beneficial uh, when it comes to taking out large groups of enemies that the military has deemed uh, deadly. Um, with this, again, it's the same concept of without having anybody in the vehicle, um, the drones are able to sense like and lock onto the enemy and then deliver the drone strike and kill an entire group without the possibility of anyone on our side uh, dying from the enemy. So, yeah, I see your perspective of it's beneficial for our side, the, the obvious drone users, since we're so prominent in that technology, both financially and obviously technologically. But seeing from the other perspective, do you think it's ethical in war for us to be using these high-level drones against, like, do you think you could see potential Geneva uh, additions in this type of combat? The, the main ethical uh, concerns would definitely come from uh, civilian casualties, um, which is something I think the military should take into account when it comes to delivering like drone strikes is the fact that if you are trying to kill like one specific person or a couple specific people, that sometimes there are civilians in the way. So understanding the priority of killing this person compared to how many civilian casualties that this drone strike is going to have is definitely something that uh, leaders are going to have to talk about um, in making that decision of actually delivering the drone strike. <clears throat> so furthermore, do you think the U.S. is ready for 
like to handle the the liability issues of completely autonomous drones who may not even be controlled by our service members. So if a civilian strike were to happen on accident, would they be able to handle the liability through the UN? Uh, I mean, this is also a, a good point is, I mean, without having one specific person to blame, I still think it would come down to us being liable as it's, it's, it's our robot, it's our missile, we're the ones that have had this robot take command and then del- deliver the drone strike. And then, I mean, civilian casualties happen. So, I mean, if that's something that like, we do decide, it's it we have to understand the legal consequences of it, especially like through the UN and like other world powers. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely something super important to think about. So it's it's most important that before we rely almost entirely on the on these drones for air superiority purposes, that they're completely pristine in what they do and are 100% efficient. And I think personally, I think that's years down the line, uh, the idea of a drone that doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, the precision accuracy is definitely increased with drones, uh, especially when it's equipped with like AI and things like that. Um, but also the, the aspect of getting as much information as possible uh, before delivering these drone strikes, uh, seeing how many civilians are in the area compared to how many enemy members and things like that, which also brings us into like ground vehicles that military members use. Uh, we can also use ground vehicles that are uh, controlled to then get a different perspective, not just from an aerial view, but from a ground view. And then maybe we'll see something else that the, the drone didn't catch, um, whether that be like inside buildings these these ground vehicles can maneuver inside buildings um, to then gain more information before we make a decision i guess less on the the war zone side ground vehicles would be super useful for logistics when it comes to moving heavy items where we would no longer have to use manpower for and it'd be great for supply chain uses as well yeah and i mean even even with uh moving like transportation is um like minefields for example you can have these ground vehicles that are equipped to withstand uh, certain explosives to then clear out an entire pathway for um, soldiers to walk through, thus limiting the death pe- like death casualties that are impacted on us. I guess going back to one of my previous points and what you think about war, what war actually is, and you consider what are the actual consequences of war and what does war entail? Should war always have to include loss of life because that is the consequence of war and the ultimate motive to not go to war. So if you were to have thinking years and years down the line, robot v. robot ground warfare, that would still cause the same level of destruction as men on the ground and civilian loss. So do you think that the uh, acceleration of robots on the ground technology would just entice countries to want to go to war more and cause destruction? And civilian loss without actually losing men. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's where war is going. Is right now, um, countries have they have their military, they have their soldiers that sign up um, to then go to war, and then there there are there are losses of life. Um, and I think I think war down the road might be more or less about soldiers dying and more or less about civilian casualties and destroying certain buildings and kind of producing as much destruction to a country. Uh, whether that be like resources, like water, oil, things like that, and less of killing the soldiers. So it's more or less like how much can we damage the country? More strategic, strategic damage rather than like old-fashioned ground warfare, World War II, like 
so many men were yeah, lost. Like how, how many people can we kill the enemy before we? That's what that that's win. what they'll remember in a war is like, oh, we hacked their one of their dams and shut it down and things like that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that uh, war itself will. There's always going to be people involved, um, and with that, like soldiers, like uh, and robotics and soldiers is uh, another thing that's in the military industry is exoskeletons. Um, so these are kind of like equipped on the the soldier and it kind of allows them to lift more equipment um whether it be like actually hauling it or just equipment that's on their back um so this will help with the carrying of transportation of goods um if there's things like all like the car needs to be flipped over because there's something happening like the manpower to actually be able to do that from these exoskeletons is something that's uh, increasing in the military industry so uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the potential benefits of the integration of these robotic technologies, but what would be the challenges with integration on a mass scale? Uh, on a mass scale, when you have um, going from soldiers to robots such as these UAVs and ground vehicles, and I mean, even submarines that aren't even manned anymore, um, is like the cost for maintenance. Uh, you're going from soldiers that pretty much take care of themselves, you just got to feed them, to then millions of dollars in robots that in war i mean are bound to get destroyed at some point uh something go wrong with them uh some type of failure so then kind of the upkeep and maintenance of these robots is also going to be expensive as well another challenge associated is the integration of these robots with the existing systems that the military already uses i mean it's, it's hard to integrate such brand new technology into the military when parts of it are still using technology from 20 years ago. The yeah. military is quite ancient. Uh, it's always a campaign issue for upcoming presidents that they, they visit these bases and they're using, you know, Windows technologies from uh, 30 years ago, like 19, Windows 96, stuff like that. So it would be a huge IT issue with uh, integrating these robotic technologies and the softwares that control them onto nearly ancient uh, computers and hardware that some parts of our military infrastructure are still using. Yeah, I mean, which, I mean, this challenge is also something that um, the, the other emerging technology, 5G, is helping to kind of transition and switch over from, which, I mean, we'll get in next is 5G in the military. Um, so, um, moving on, um, do you want to explain further? about the role of 5G and hyperconnected networks and uh, our military communications and operations, both current and future? Yes, I mean, 5G is that aspect of hyperconnected networks. It really, it allows us to get that aspect um, because it's it's an advanced network and infrastructure um, that's that's increasingly important in the military. Uh, These these networks enable rapid communication and uh, information sharing across large distances. So when you have a government that's trying to communicate halfway across the world and trying to get information to them um, as quickly as possible, uh, 5G really enables that uh, to eliminate latency and have the quickest possible uh, transfer of data uh, from one spot to another. Um, this definitely helps with facilitating uh, effective like decision making and coordination in the field. So when you're trying to give uh, key intel, I mean, we're talking like sometimes in the military, it's like seconds before um, like a decision needs to be made. So 5G is going to allow um, us to uh, like give that ability to give that 
quarter second response time and potentially um, either make or break a decision um, in the field. But I mean, there's also security concerns when it comes to um, the 5G and these kind of networks that we're trying to expand to. Yeah. So talking a little bit more about that, um, when you have a military the size and scope of the United States thinking we have five, 600 foreign bases and and if we are going to include robots in this, and if they're all going to be connected on one large hyper-connected network, we have to think of uh, potential cybersecurity issues, especially with our current adversaries being China and Russia, who have made such incredible advances in their uh, offensive cybersecurity abilities. So, I mean, yeah, it obviously things will be way more convenient with using these networks, but you have to factor in is this conveniency worth the potential um, ability from Russia or China or Iran or whoever else to be able to take down our entire military network infrastructure in one foul swoop and then kind of leave us um, leave us unable to, to do anything if we're all displaced. So there definitely needs to be fail safes with it, um, backup networks, things like that. Uh, proper cyber defense uh, invest just as much into the defense as we would the network itself protocols emergency plans things like that yeah so just plan plans to fall back on and um obviously we need to be if uh, our adversaries are going to use these this 5g tech we need to be just as offensive thinking as them as well on top of thinking defensively so we can do it to them before they do it to us yeah i mean this is like key data that we're trying to transfer that we don't want uh, leaked out going to other countries because I mean in essence we're competing against these other countries I mean 5g uh, it, it enables this real-time communication but it's also not just communication it's just the transfer of uh, classified information I mean we have projects in the US government that we definitely don't want leaked so I mean having a secure network um, will help us not have this information leaked which is crucial um, and trying to have that competitive advantage but uh, with 5G, you also have the ability for like data analysis and the logistical support to help uh, military personnel make better decisions and things like that. So um, not only is it the real-time communication and the data analysis, but um, when you have these like UAVs that are trying to get information back to us, let's say halfway across the world, um, it allows for this transfer of data to happen quicker, more efficiently, take up less space and things like that. So uh, in, in, in the end, it's it's 100% worth it to uh, implement and kind of boost our networks with 5G. So uh, we thoroughly covered both hyper-connected hyper networks and robotics in the military, but moving forward, how can these be used together? How, can, how do these themes converge? Yeah, so I mean, with, with uh, the robotics and having these uh, unmanned aerial vehicles and these ground vehicles... Um, they, they need to be controlled. So um, we need to have like a hub or a spot somewhere, somewhere safe that people can uh, control them from. And so that's when 5G and robots come together because to have these robots, um, you also need that connectivity that again, can reach halfway across the world. So like large bandwidth and things like that. Um, Cause you don't want to like lose connection uh, with it. And then uh, we're SOL. So um, in the end, like to have the ability to remote control them really comes available with 5G because um, of that, that implicit uh, latency that uh, it allows us to have. 
Um, and then that real-time data transfer, as we talked about with 5G, with the robots going from the, the UAV straight to the hub and then allowing us to analyze it and make decisions uh, more efficiently, quicker, uh, and more accurately in the end. Yeah, going forward with a real-time data transfer, this helps with um, if you have a robot that uses augmented uh, augmented reality using a hyperconnected network, that would entail real-time data, data transfer and that means that that augmented layer would be coming in real time as opposed to a second delay within that robot's interface. And then going forward, there is potential to enhance the security within the connectivity of the robots. Having a sound network working together means that it'll be harder to infiltrate and deactivate these robots from a, an offensive standpoint. So I think that's a super useful way to, the, that these themes converge. Yeah, so... I mean, with the enhanced security and stuff, some of the some of the benefits is uh, like the remote control, like it's less loss of human life, uh, increased accuracy of these robots, uh, since there's such quick response time in the transfer of data, um, and in the end, this is just further improving the efficiency of our military, reducing the risk to human life, and enhancing the capabilities of these robots. Because the robot itself, like yeah, um, but before five G and all that it can only get connected so far and maybe the capability is like distance wise or exactly what it can um, like scoop up data. But with 5G, it allows these robots to scoop up more data quicker, more efficiently, allow for us to be further away in the safe zone than closer to the battlefield. So um, I guess going forward with some challenges, um, obviously this is a tumultuous task with um, the in investment wise with bringing this integrating this into our military both robotics and 5g together it's just from an operation standpoint the amount of it manpower that we would have to invest in would be absurd um, furthermore uh, a way we could reduce having to hire as many information technology people could potentially be utilizing ai to Ma uh, AI could be used to maintain and uh, control or monitor the networks that are using the robots together. So we could invest heavily into that as opposed to just increasing manpower and actual like that could prevent having actual like physical hardware sections that we'd have to maintain. And then obviously the specialized training that would have to go into that, the time investment, the money investment would be huge. There's also uh, also ethical and some legal concerns about this. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes into like ethical and like legal concerns is uh, like we said, that aspect of like civilian casualties and things like that, um, hacking uh, the robots, that's those are all like legal and ethical things that we like you know, talk about with these like networks. We may be able to get into other networks and things like that. And I mean, a lot a lot of the ethical concerns really come down to um, just the doing what's right with the best amount of information that we have because uh, in the military industry, things can change in the in a split second. So um, I think 5G and robotics is definitely going to help us in that aspect of um, reducing the civilian casualties and the death of people that don't need to be there in the first place. Um, even further, like helping, helping, helping the civilians in those other countries that are at war. Um, uh, kind of talked a little about like AI, um, so we can have like drones with AI that can kind of tell tell it apart from civilian to someone that we may deem uh, like deadly. Um, 
So it, it, a lot of it just comes down to um, kind of reducing that aspect of ethical implications um, with within the military uh, and 5G. But circling back to my previous point in the first segment about uh, robotics in the military, it, it could go sideways just as much as it can go well. It could be entirely taking the humanity out of war just I still think it, it it will entice countries to go to war more, especially uh, larger powers such as Russia, U.S., China to prey on uh, developing countries where they may have strategic interests. Because outside of uh, potential loss of human life, having a gigantic robotic um, hyperconnected network uh, with just insane military strength, you essentially have no reason not to invade a, a smaller country for uh, an ulterior motive such as oil or something like that so i think i think it given the wrong hands there could be some serious um ethical concerns with this uh especially with uh, eastern powers such as russia and china if they were able to use utilize this technology they can be predators for uh country uh, many different countries where they they see fit yeah i mean uh like a current world problem is that for example that russia Ukraine war. I've seen a lot of uh, like posts about like drone strikes. So I mean, we we know that it's happening already. So I mean, think about twenty years down the line, what it could look like then. I mean, then we may not even have people flying F sixteen jets. I mean, they can be completely unmanned and with the firepower those things carry. And yeah, if it gets shot down, you you lost money, you lost a plane. But I mean, at that point, you're not even losing lives anymore. So it's it's more or less a battle of which country can have the best robotics. And that aspect is, is also, I mean, that, that legal concern and ethical concern of like your country's not losing manpower, you're losing money and like you're losing these like robots. But I mean, in essence, you can completely destroy an entire country if, especially if they don't have the capabilities that, that you have. And going forward, just, one of the main points of our class with any technology getting stronger is the technologies are growing faster than what uh, what legal ramifications we have both nationally and internationally. So to my understanding, there aren't like the, the, these these potential military threats are growing quicker than anything the UN can control or is within their, their power. So in conclusion with this, uh, obviously um, for the, these used together, they can it could be a huge military advantage, but if left unchecked and used in the wrong hands, it could definitely be a gigantic issue in all parts of the world. Yeah, I mean, these are great points, but uh, to wrap up here, I mean, we, we've talked about UAVs, ground vehicles, exoskeletons uh, for soldiers, um, the benefits of like the improved accuracy and the flexibility of the amount of tasks that these robots can use. I mean, we, we even talked about the some some of the cons like the cost for maintenance and the problems with integrating with existing systems. Uh, we talked about five G and the hyperconnected networks, uh, communications and the transfer of data instantaneously. And then we converged them together to robotics and five G uh, about remote controlling these ground vehicles and the real time data transfer between the robots to a specific hub. Um, these are all the huge impacts. Um, that robotics and 5G are going to have in the future of military operations, uh, having like fewer men on the field. So uh, we encourage you guys to continue learning about these technologies and their applications in the military industry. We thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to WMD, Weapons of Mass Disruption podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Tamara Schwartz and edited by me, Chris Perez. All rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and you may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lamrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I dot com.